Welcome back to another episode of the Ozone Podcast, the voice of magic fans. In the studio today, we have Justin. Yo. Al. Hey, what's going on? Myself, Anthony, and we are less than 24 hours away before the restart of the NBA season. We get to watch our boys go against the Brooklyn Nets to fight for that seventh seed. You guys excited? Oh, man. I cannot wait for Friday. Yeah, Friday's going to be super excited. We waited a long time for this. And uh, that's when we figure out and find out if all of the talk is real, if the Magic are going to make some noise, or if we're just a flash in the pan again. Yeah, it's been a minute since we had basketball. The scrimmage games were really nice, and we're going to get into that in a minute. Um, but scrimmage games are exhibition. You know, the the, co- the coaching staff, they're not, not that they're not trying, but they're not putting the main players in for as long as we need them to be in to make the game competitive and, and really see our, our, our guys get excited and um, man, I'm I'm really looking forward to it. Now, with with three games down, we've seen the scrimmages. Um, what what are your thoughts on the game with how the structure is? Obviously, there's no fans, and you know they they started doing the uh, the virtual implementation of the fans being there from home, and how the court is set up. How are you guys feeling about it? I think um, it's pretty good. I think at first it was a little awkward because you're going directly from having fans to no fans. Um, and the experience was a little weird, but I think the more the NBA does it, uh, the better it gets. I saw that they, and they haven't done it for Magic Games, but I saw that they were adding um, team logos and, and kind of like sponsor logos and things like that on the court. Um, and I think that takes it to another level. The fan, the virtual fans takes it to another level. But it's just, I think it's fine for regular season play. I just don't see how a playoff atmosphere is going to be created from the fans not being there. So I think when you compare it to other sporting, you know, other other leagues out there, whether it's baseball, um, you you have anything anything out there right now that's going on in the world of sports, the NBA truly has done an amazing job, not only keeping the players safe, which we now know this for the second time now, no players have the coronavirus, but even like watching the games, yeah, it's not the same as watching the team play at home. The crowd atmosphere is not there. But like Justin mentioned, the little things that they've done, the virtual fans, the digital signs on the court, um, I think they're doing whatever they can to make it as normal as possible for NBA fans. And we got to be thankful for that, man, because uh, I watched a baseball game recently and it's not I, I wanted to just not simply watch the game anymore. It's not the same. But I think we, what they have, the NBA has done an amazing job trying to replicate normal when, again, we, we know. It's not normal out there right now. Yeah, it's it's weird, man. The the structure that we have in place, the NBA, obviously, um, I love it. I love it just because I, I saw some highlights from baseball games, and they're playing in the big baseball field, and there's no one in the stands, but they're still playing in the stadium. And that, listen, they have cardboards of fans. Like, <laughs> cardboards. Like, how whack is that? I don't want to see cardboards of fans. The fact that they found a way to have virtual fans in there, I, I think it's awesome. Yeah, I think the virtual fans is a huge point. I do have to shout out Dana White, though, because I feel like Dana White and the UFC were the first group or professional sports league that showed that it could be done, uh, that showed that 
enclosing, you know, creating a system where people were enclosed and you could test the athletes in that system uh, would succeed. Uh, so I do think Dana White kind of said that trend. But the NBA, again, with the virtual fans, it was something that hadn't been done before because, again, the cardboard cutout of fans was done in baseball, but it was done um, in soccer leagues across the world, Europe, Germany. Uh, so, you know, it was something that the NBA innovated, which was which was cool. Uh, but Dana White has to get the credit for being the first. Yeah, you, you can tell that the, the NBA there, man, they're they're just they're cut differently. Like they they just came out with a report that they had another round of testing and not one player was tested positive with COVID or not one individual even in the bubble tested positive with COVID that we know of because you know how Disney likes to keep things under wraps, but but um yeah it's awesome man and so talking getting into the scrimmages um and obviously before we we talk about the actual game itself one of the things that stood out to me was I was watching the first scrimmage game against the Clippers. And I noticed that there was just nothing but um, Clippers imaging on the back, on on the screen that they had. I'm like, man, what is, what is going on? Like, why are they not repping the magic up there? And it took me a little while, and I had saw a post that um, uh, Nicky Football had on, on Twitter that he confirmed um, that that was their way of kind of giving the Clippers home court advantage. And, you know, it's, it's neat to see that they were able to still find a creative way to give a team the home court advantage that – that they have which is better than nothing yeah and i mean even like with the uh like miami heat game uh i was i watched i think it was the same night or the night after same thing they had on the virtual crowds they, they said this let's go heat chant and it was showing like fans like screaming but then at the two minute mark we got that famous dos minutos thing that the magic uh the heat do in miami so again they're trying to replicate things as much as possible it's not easy to do um, in other games that I've watched, I've also heard like the, the, the announcer, the PA announcer, kind of make the home uh, crowd name, how they call the name of the players, how they call. It's amazing, again, what they've done. Again, it's not going to be perfect. It's not going to be normal. But with what they have, they've done an amazing job. So I, I do have to ask, do you think with the playoffs starting, um, what, the end of August, like mid to late August or third week of August, uh, do you think that there is a possibility that maybe for the semifinals and finals there are some fans allowed into the games, or do you think this is going to be kind of the final product? I think that eventually, because there were talks that um, once they kind of get into the season that they were going to allow um, family to enter the bubble. Um, so I would imagine that they would allow families to, to watch if they're in the bubble. I don't, I don't see why not. At the same time, do they even have the space for it? Because I know that whole entire backside is filled with the TV screens. We obviously can't see in front of it, so I'm not sure if there's a whole lot of space for it. Have you guys seen anything different? No, I, I agree. I, I don't know how they would accommodate for them space-wise. But again, what makes sports in the fall so special, or in the summer for the NBA, is that fan, you know, that fan kind of excitement that comes along with the playoffs. So I don't know, maybe because it is still new and you're still comparing it to the world before COVID-19. Um, I just don't see how you can how you can mimic that playoff atmosphere. Yeah, no, knowing what what we know, I've born and raised in Orlando. I don't I don't see Disney even risking any type of fan anything in the bubble i don't even think the nba would allow anything like that especially with the results that they're getting right now where they absolutely have nobody impacted by COVID 19 in their bubble that they have um i'd find it hard to believe that they would risk it 
Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I don't. I mean, I do. I do know families will be joining teams in the second round of the playoffs. I believe. So I mean, at that point, if you're getting negative tests with everyone, family members, and everything, do you let them go into the arena and watch the games? I do know players can go and watch all the teams play. So I, I don't know how that's going to work out. But I mean, uh, like Justin said, nothing will replicate playoff basketball, which is a good thing. I think it's going to generate one of the most unexpected playoffs in our lifetimes. I think we'll see some great surprises. Some good teams get upset in the playoffs just because you don't have the home court advantage. Think about the Raptors. What makes them special? It's the home crowd, man. Like that home crowd is crazy in the playoffs. The support, fans outside the arena supporting them. Now you don't have that. It's a quiet arena. You hit a three, hit a two, doesn't really matter. It's quiet in there. Yes, I'm saying the Magic will upset the Raptors in the playoffs if we face them. That's man. If we out. if we see the Raptors in the first round, I'm so glad that I'm so glad they won't have Jurassic Park. That whole Jurassic Park thing was annoying going against them. So I'm glad they're not going to have it. Um, we can pretend like we're all at Wall Street watching the game and supporting them and whatnot. Um, but guys, let's let's get into the the scrimmages. So obviously we played against the Clippers the very first game. Saw the um, saw the Lakers after, and then kind of ended it with the Denver Nuggets. What are some of the things that stood out to you? Those three scrimmaging, the three scrimmaging games. Orlando can hang in there. Some of the best teams in the league. That's what I came out with. But again, you know, you're coming back to play since not playing in March. Some guys are rusty, but the product on the court has been pretty good. Um, and even then, the Magic have been able to keep it, you know, within ten going down late in the game and. And whatnot, um, and I'm sure we're gonna skip skip ahead into Denver, but that's the that's the game I'm trying to talk about. I mean, one thing that's obvious with the mm-hmm. Magic is the chemistry. Uh, one big thing with Coach Clifford is you know low turnover numbers, good rebounding numbers, and I think we saw that in, in scrimmages. The turnover part, especially, I believe against the Clippers and the Lakers, we had six apiece turnovers. That's two of the best defenses in the NBA, and we were able to take care of the ball that well says two things. Coaching staff has his team ready. And second, the chemistry is there. We know what the players are going to be, where the ball is going to be at. So I think that's crucial for us heading into the final eight games of the season and into the playoffs. Um, because again, a lot of teams are going to be shaky and, and again, uncomfortable in this environment. We are the home team at the end of the day. This is Orlando. So I think that that, again, adds to um, what will make this team I special. Think the, the obviously, the scrimmages, the exhibition games that they added was a really good um, implementation by the NBA because I feel like the teams absolutely needed it. I am so glad that it's over because it's it's really hard to gauge. Uh, Stan, uh, Stan Van Gundy has said it himself. Like you, you can look at a player like Bobo that is killing it right now in the scrimmage games, but does that really translate into the actual regular season? A really good um, example would be Kevin Knox from the Knicks. I mean, that dude was killing it in the summer league. And then when it came to actually playing with the big boys, he hasn't been doing all that hot. So I'll say there's a little bit of a difference, right, between, and and you know that, but between summer league and, and kind of the scrimmage because these guys are still legitimate NBA players. Um, he's playing against vets, you know, who have had that experience. And, yeah, you could say this entire situation is different. You can't really get used to this or draw from past experiences to – play in this environment but i don't know man i think specifically for bobo and i know you were just using him him as an example i think there's intangibles about him that would translate to the nba right his movement i mean his size his ability to just always be active his effort those are things that 
are going to translate whether you're in a bubble or you're playing in an arena full of thousands of people. So I expect Bobo to be impressive in his first season. Bobo, to me, I was really hoping to see the uh, the matchup of the wingspans between Jonathan Isaac and Bobo. But uh, again, what I saw is a lot of reservations. There's there's you got the Nuggets that really weren't playing their their players all that much. You know, Jonathan Isaac, and we'll talk about it in a minute, only played about seven minutes, uh, minute restrictions for Markel Fultz, for Mo Bamba. Looking at Aaron Gordon, Nikola Vucevic, didn't play all that long. So I, I guess a a positive for me was that we got to see the players of, of you know, Gary Clark and Melvin Frazier, my guy Vic Law. So it's good to see that those players had opportunities. And at the same time, it gives Coach Cliff a better understanding of the, the rotation that he's going to have. Because in reality, I really like our roster. Um, maybe people don't see it the way that we see it. Maybe it could be because I am extremely biased, but I really like our bench. I really mm-hmm. like our bench a lot, and I feel like the 13th man on our roster can still impact the game on the court. I think that's why a lot of us wanted were, were frustrated with Steve Clifford's rotations beginning the season, right? Because it was like he needed a nine-man rotation, which is understandable, but there's there's a lot of players that are itching to just play, and that's something that isn't intangible. It's something that you can't really quantify on on how good or how bad they're going to do, um, and I think that's what we're seeing. So, you know, whenever you have guys like Gary Clark or James Ennis or Wessa Wundu, B.J. Johnson, Vic Law, who can give you 10, 12, 15 points, those are 10, 12, 15 points that were unaccounted for. So now you're in a better, you know, position. Um, so that was interesting to see those guys kind of just ball out and and give effort because if you watch those games the magic started pretty slow right i think um there were times where i was texting in the group chat i was like okay this they're not picking up like the the tempo's not there the passing's not there um and then that bench unit came in and the ball movement was there the energy was there the push and the pace was there so it's good to see then let's let's get into Let's get into Denver. So obviously we we get the report, maybe it was a day before um, the scrimmage against the Nuggets, that Jonathan Isaac might play. It was a possibility. We weren't 100% sure. They they wanted to speak to the performance director, uh, David Tenney, first to see what his thoughts were about it. And then we get the notification that Isaac will be activated. Isaac is playing, right? We get into the game. Isaac... um, only played a total of seven minutes but in the seven minutes he had 13 points seven rebounds two steals man this dude went off man what, what do you begin with that i mean number one getting that notification on on thursday made my entire day i'm like wait what we actually are gonna get isaac back i think we talked about it last week we, we had a, a feeling it's gonna happen just when to find out what's actually the last scrimmage game was a shock i think to all of us um, but then he gets on the court and this two, this two just came out like what we, n- nobody could have expected Isaac to come out the way that he did, but it was great to see, man. Like he was hungry. He wanted to show, Hey, I miss basketball. I'm here. I'm back. And he definitely demonstrated that. I mean, 13 points. If I'm not mistaken, the magic went on a 18 old run. The minute him and Markel check into the game. It's a different team. It's a different feeling on the court. I mean, as a Magic fan, 
we've been waiting for this guy to bulk up number one, but number two to just start showing signs of what he can be. And I think with his new physique, took six months pretty much to kind of take care of his body. I think that Isaac is here, man. And I think we, when he resumes playing normal minutes, we're going to see a different Isaac that we saw before he went down. So I'm excited like everybody else about the whole J.I. like appearance, right? And his performance was phenomenal. Um, I'm not surprised that he played because, I don't know, I knew, like in my head, I just it didn't make sense that he wouldn't play during this return. Um, so that didn't surprise me. But what's, what, what I think is we as fans have to be careful of is being so excited about Jonathan Isaac's seven minutes that you forget about who Jonathan Isaac has been and the fact that he did that against Denver's bench. He wasn't he wasn't dominating and stealing the ball and blocking plays and doing all of this with the starters on the court. Jamal Murray wasn't in, Jokic wasn't in. Like I think the dynamic would have been a little different. Am I happy that J.I. came out guns blazing? Of course, and he looked phenomenal, and I think that that's a sign of things that could come. Um, but I think it's important to keep it in perspective that, again, this was against bench players, and he did only play for seven minutes. Justin, you're killing my vibe, man. <laughs> I don't I don't care. I don't care who it's against. My dog Isaac hasn't played since January 2020. He's been out of basketball for over six months. He comes back, his first official NBA back, and he goes bananas. Like, we're, we're talking about how... Jeff Waltman was just saying a few weeks ago that we're preparing life without Jonathan Isaac. And now this dude is in the game. He's he's hitting M1 threes. He's hitting corner shots. He's grabbing rebounds out the yin-yang, grabbing two steals. And it was only seven minutes. Like, I understand that with, with a player like Jonathan Isaac, it's it's always been about confidence with him also, Right. Yep. Man, if this dude starts visualizing that ball going to the hoop, and he was aggressive against it. I mean, aggressive that was, against the That Marcus. was what I was most impressed with. Aggre- like, he was looking for his shot. He was aggressively being off. This dude dominated, man. And I, I honestly, I don't care if the second string was in, the third string was in. You're, you're talking about a dude that is not confirmed seven foot one with a crazy wingspan. And for him to be able to do what he did is crazy because you look at Jonathan Isaac and you see only a defensive player and whatnot. Mm. And man, he's showing you that he can do way more than just grab rebounds and block shots. So what I will say is that when it comes to John and Jeff, their job, right, is to under promise and over deliver. That's how they make themselves look good. That's how they make the organization look good. That's how they make coaching staff look good. If they came out and said, Jonathan Isaac is ready. He looks so good. He's going to come out at the start of, of the, the seeding games, and he's going to destroy everybody. And then he <laughs> comes out, and he doesn't do that. It's like, John and Jeff, yeah. what the hell were you guys talking about? <laughs> yeah, and I'm I'm cool with that. But, my God, yo, it seems like they really try to be, like, the CIA, NSA. Like, I'm talking about, like, they, <laughs> the way that they communicate is, like, top secret envelopes that they pass with each other that expires and bursts into flames after 10 seconds. Like, Carrier they really pigeons. take it to that level. Yeah, exactly. It's it's crazy. Like, there's no hacking information. There's no leaking. Like, it, it's, it's, it's great from, I would imagine, their perspective because they have their tight circle that they have. 
but right. for fans like us that we're we're trying to consume as much information and and it can be any little verbiage and now we have to dissect it, it's good to know that we went from hey it's not happening it's unlikely get out of your brain to him actually being on the court and us going into the playoffs knowing that if this pandemic didn't happen chances are he wouldn't have been playing in the playoffs Oh, for sure. I think if you consider the fact that if this had not happened, I think we do not see J.I. until next season. That's 100% true. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I mean, think about Markel last year before he came into, you know, into his own and all that. What did we know about Markel last offseason? At this time last year, what did we know about him? Nothing. We were hearing rumors about how he might not even be ready by training camp. And to start the season, they were making fun of the Magic organization on ESPN, saying that we didn't know what we were doing. That's what we do. And then five games into the season, here's Markel starting already over DJ Augustine. So, I mean, that's just what we do. So, I think as, as fans, now I'm used to it. But, man, it hasn't been easy. It hasn't been easy to just keep getting played by our front office and, and them telling us it's not happening, man. Like, don't get your hopes up. And then, actually, it does happen. Um, but I guess the, the good thing about all this is now we know them. Now we know when they say things like that. All right, tr- let's see it to believe it. And here we are. But, man, it does feel good to have J.I. back. Um, I'm excited to see what he looks like in the season. And of course, in the playoffs, we were talking about it last week. This guy just changes our, our team completely, whether it is on a minutes restriction, off the bench, whatever you want to bring him at. This guy will change the dynamic of our team, starting unit or the bench. And not, it wasn't just J.I. You know, Mark Hill, obviously, he made his debut also with Jonathan Isaac. They gave him the green light. And the minute that they put both Mark Hill and J.I. in the game, it was it honestly looked like a completely different team. Like, it, my, my wife, who doesn't really watch a lot of the game, sat down and started watching it also. Like, it was just an amazing, excite, exciting seven, eight minutes that we saw. But what, what do you guys, what'd you guys see from Mark Hill? Just what he always brings, man, like the hustle. That's the biggest thing. He, he went out there and he started, you know, going for loose balls, going after rebounds, pushing the pace, just the little things that he does. Um, started going to the basket to try to collapse the defense. That's how our team was able to get a, a few three-pointers while he was out there. Um, he hit a mid-range jump shot, hit a corner three, which, by the way, they, they had a slow-motion video of it afterwards. I don't know about you guys, man, but that shot looks smooth uh, when he took it. Uh, I know, Justin, you put it on Twitter as well. Before the game, he was uh, putting some shots up. He made, I think it was five or six three-pointers in a row without any hesitation, without any hitch on his shot. Um, And I said it last week, man. He took three months off, four months off, no basketball, just able to heal that shoulder some more. You know the magic. They had people training him and continue to work with him on that rehab. I think, again, another guy that will see some much improved play once once the action resumes because again he had the time to heal himself even more and he has confidence now he was able to play at a good level at a high level before the play stopped um so i think i mean with this young guys you just never know what you're gonna get um the talent is there the effort is there it's excitement right now with markel one of the things i noticed is he has a lot more confidence right it feels like when I don't know, even when he's interacting with his teammates, and that might just be a byproduct of the fact that he's known them for over a year or so. Like, But there's just a confidence about Markel that I think is impacting the way that he's approaching the game. 
You could tell even with his shooting. And Markel's mid-range and his speed and his cuts and drives to the basket are so good that he doesn't have to be an elite-level three-point shooter in order to be successful. He needs to be able to knock down open threes when they come to him and continue to do what he's doing. I think Markel's going to be fine. Yeah, man. It's it, So the minute that they get into the game, they go obviously the Magic, they went on a little bit of a run, and then out of nowhere, we were up by 20. <laughs> so it was crazy. So uh, again, uh, I'm excited to have the two of them back on the team. It feels like we have a full roster. Justin, you look like you have something to say. You can probably keep it to yourself, and we can just move on. <laughs> <laughs> no. So they did go up by 20, but as soon as they left the game, what happened? Denver cut it. They cut it down to what 12, then seven, then it was a three point game, and then they're right back in it. And that's that's something that the Magic have done forever right so i'm not trying to be a debbie downer i'm not trying to kill the vibe but i am just saying be cautious of getting too excited and realize that this team is getting better uh but there are still habits and tendencies that they revert back to that they have to consciously address and be aware of in order to be successful you're not a debbie downer but you definitely have negative nancy vibes bro <laughs> All right, so so obviously we we got the feel from from Markel and and Ji. Um, now there there was reports that obviously Aaron Aaron Gordon was out of the game and he missed he missed the final game of the scrimmage due to a mild groin groin soreness. Should we be concerned? I'll keep it short. We should not be. That was just he played a lot of minutes those first two games, like he will do. That's, he led our team in minutes played. Um, I don't think we should be. That was just a rest day. That was just, hey, make sure you're 100% by Friday. Uh, so I'm not concerned one bit. Yeah, I agree with Al. I think it's just being precautious. You don't want your one of your main guys to get seriously hurt when the games don't mean anything. So I think that's why he didn't play. But I think come uh, come the 31st, he'll be on the court. Yeah, I, I, I put the post up on, on my Instagram page. And... Um, you know, there was a lot of reports saying, man, we can never stay healthy. Like, what's going on with the team? Like, relax. It has nothing to do with that. <laughs> the minute I saw the minute I saw my growing soreness, I, to me, I, I translate that as load management. And he'll be all right. He'll, he'll, in my opinion, if I was a betting man, I would put him that he would be active, ready to go in the starting lineup on Friday when we take on the Nets. Now, 100%. Wesley Owandu... Wesley Owandu had a nasty fall where he went head first into the hardwood, had to get a couple stitches um, around his eye. Um, how much are we going to miss Owandu, and what were your thoughts on that on that nasty split? I yeah, I think um, Owandu missing is a is a big deal. I think that game we were seeing him, his effort was insane, and I think him and MCW were kind of feeding off each other, like energy wise, um, and their effort was just insane, and I think. That kind of caused him to to fall in the way that he did, um, but yeah, I think uh, a one do is going to be missed if he's if he's not going to be back for the start of play. He's one of those utility guys, and I've written about it, you know, many times on the Zombie B. But he's one of those utility guys that you tell him what you need, you put him where you need to put him, and he's going to give you a hundred percent effort every time. So a one do get better, um, heal up quick, and we we want to see you that first game. Yeah, I think, uh, as you guys said, it, lo- it looked nasty for sure. Um, the good news is we're seeing reports that um, he may just miss Friday's game and be back. Um, he's not having headaches anymore um, from the concussion-like symptoms he was suffering. 
So I think we see him on Sunday against the Kings. Um, but thank God, again, it was something worse than that because, again, it, it looked really, really bad. Um, any, any player falling like that after a dunk, you always think the worst-case scenario. But thankfully, he's healthy. And like Justin said, hopefully we'll see him out there pretty soon. Yeah, man, I'm, we're definitely going to miss him on the court. Hopefully it's a, it's a speedy recovery. I had mentioned that he was my X factor. Um, so um, hopefully it wasn't too bad and definitely look forward to seeing him back. Now, we, we guys, we didn't get a chance to really discuss it, um, but it was also reported that next season, 2021, um, they're going to start implementing the Jumpman logo on all the NBA statement uniforms. How are you guys feeling about the Jordan logo um, on our jerseys? I don't have an issue at all. Uh, I just think that the Detroit Pistons should feel a little, some sort of type of way about that. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, uh, we beat MJ in the playoffs back in '95, so I'm cool with that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't really feel any way about it. I think it's fine. Uh, Jordan is a sports brand, you know what I mean? It's synonymous with the sport, so I think I think it's cool. I don't know, man. I, I really I'm not feeling it. I don't I don't like the idea. Obviously, you're talking about Jordan. You're talking about the GOAT, the greatest of all time. Like, I get it. But it's the fact that he was a former player that we battled against historically. And although we we got the dub over over him in the playoffs back in the 90s, it, it's just it doesn't feel right. It being on our uniform. Uh, it, it, imagine sometime in the future, 2040, right? LeBron James has his own logo, and they start putting the the LJ23 logo on NBA uniforms. No. Not <laughs> not a fan of the idea. It, there's already a lot going on. I like. I'm a big fan of the Nike swoosh, and I I like the Nike swoosh on our uniforms. Not crazy about the jump, man. I feel it. I mean, I think it's it's a little weird, right? Because LeBron, he is a great player, but I don't think LeBron had. Hmm. I'm probably going to get a lot of hate for this, but I don't think LeBron had the same impact on the sport of basketball that Michael Jordan did. Like Michael Jordan genuinely made people want to play the sport. Like it just, it made fans of people that weren't fans of the sport. I think Jordan's impact on the sport itself is different. Could you even say that there would be an uh, NBA as big as it is today without Jordan? Like you, you can't even make that argument. So I think it's a little different. Um, it's business, man. It's business. I agree. I think that you cannot compare the two. I mean, in my opinion, again, you guys do know I'm not a LeBron fan by any means, so I'm kind of biased in my opinion. I'm a LeBron fan. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so even even that you're saying it, so I respect you for that. But I mean, uh, as a, I just think, again, Jordan's different. Jordan, again, made the NBA what it is today. So many people watch the NBA internationally in the U.S. because of what he accomplished. Um Again, it's just something that it's a brand. Even outside of basketball, it's a brand. I think the Jordan brand it goes beyond basketball at this point. It goes into hip hop culture, and so many different things. Um, so again, it's a logo. I, I do hear your point, Ant, but I don't think, from a fan side of, if I'm looking at it from a fan perspective, I don't think there's any any impact to the logo in our jersey hey check out Al making a hip-hop reference talk about jordan is hip-hop culture i like <laughs> it i mean listen Al, you're not you're not lying i get it at the same time it's in my opinion this is what they should do scratch off the whole jump man on every logo obviously nike has a lot of references right with a lot of players players that have retired and they have they have their own logo 
why not allow these teams to be able to decide which one of their Nike logos that they want on their jersey? For example, crazy idea. Instead of a Jumpman logo, why not give us a Penny Hardaway logos? I'll take the one set on a Magic jersey. They were already talking about doing that for uh, for Penny's team right now for the University of Memphis. Why not do that with a professional team? It's still under Nike. They still sell phone posits like crazy. It's still yep. one of their biggest sellers. Why not make that move to a city that relates to the Penny logo way more than what we would say a Jumpman? This is my I opinion. think it's because you, cause you're taking the Orlando Magic who have a rich history, right, because of the players that have come through here. And I think you're applying that principle to all of the other teams. Every other NBA team doesn't have a transcendent kind of superstar that everybody reminisces about. Um, so I think that's that's different. Um, and that's more checks that you got to cut, more more red tape, if you will. With Jordan, you just call him up. Hey, this is the deal. You're interested. Jordan probably counters because he wants more money. And then it gets done. <laughs> but that that's my point exactly, right? If we're talking about cutting checks, you mean to tell me that you wouldn't want to cut less of a check to Penny Hardaway than more of a check to Michael Jordan? Wait, isn't Jordan brand a subsidiary of Nike? It is. Yes. So, yeah, so maybe, maybe they don't not, have to Nike cut It's Nike money check. no matter what. <laughs> yeah, it's Nike money. It's probably just part of the deal. Yeah, but it's Jordan's logo. Jordan has to be getting some type of cut from that. There's no way. Oh, yeah. Every single jersey that is sold with the Jumpman logo on it, he's getting a percentage Hundred percent, hands down. For sure, hands down. I feel he it. makes all he makes all the decisions for Jumpman, and that dude is right now basking in his glory because, like, like for example, Chicago Bulls with the Jumpman logo on that jersey is going to be crazy. Yep. Mm-hmm. Even like a team like the Wizards, the Wizards are going to be excited with the Jumpman logo. Nah, they got to do Hornets. the bullets throwback if they're going to have. If they're gonna put a Jumpman logo on Washington, they gotta do a Bullets throwback. Nah, keep it, keep it with the Gilbert Arenas Wizard logo. Mm, <laughs> true. <laughs> All right, guys. So let's let let's jump into passer shoot. Biggest biggest passer shoot. I'm gonna come off the bat with it. Swole Bamba is the same old Bamba. Did the twenty pounds make a difference? Yo, if I could pull up from like. 48 50 feet like Damian Lillard <laughs> and shoot it. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. Swole Bamba, every every style of Bamba, in my opinion, is the same old Bamba. And it's the same question marks that we've had since he came in. And you know, from from our conversation with David, Jeff, and Dante when they came on, Mo is young. Mo has so much time to develop and all of these things. But I I don't see it. I don't see it. I try to give Mo Bamba the benefit of the doubt. I try to, you know, look at what, why he made certain decisions, and I just don't see it. I'm not saying I'm not Some, saying it's time to give up on Bamba. I'm just saying that as of right now, I'm still not seeing why everybody is so insane about Mo Bamba. So I'm gonna take a few steps even further than Dame Lillard and shoot it Steph Curry style. <laughs> and uh, I'm going to shoot on that, too, just because, like we said last week, my concern was, yeah, the 20 pounds. Awesome. We, we, we can see it. It's obvious he looks bigger on the court. Heck, he's still next to Dwight on the Lakers scrimmage game. And I'm like, wait, does Bamba look bigger than Dwight Howard? And he does. 
so he, he's built, he's getting there, right? But the biggest concern I have with Mo Bamba right now is the mindset. It's, it's the effort aspect of it. Um, there's some plays out there, man, where Bobo was out playing Bamba for rebounds and pushing him around. Yo, Bobo and I'm crossed like, Bamba How? up. Bobo crossed Bamba yeah. up. I'm and okay, shot a three I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm, I'm okay with the crossover because, you know, anybody can go through that. That's fine. But on a rebound, you put a body on, on, on your guy, you box out. How can he push your right? Like, I don't get it, man. But at the end of the day, my, to, to answer the question, I, until his mind is not improved, his basketball IQ, his knowledge of the game, I think we'll still see the struggles out there just because he seems like he spaces out. Like, he just is not there in the moment. He kind of falls asleep on defense, forgets to box out, and that's what leads to us saying, what is Mamba doing? Now, to be positive, though, on a positive side, his three-point shot is still as good as ever before. Like, he's hitting those shots consistently, and that we know about him. You guys need to relax on all this bad talk <laughs> about Bamba. Like, you guys need to relax. So I'm, I'm definitely passing on this. Man, he's on a minute restriction. What do you want from this dude? He's barely being put into the game. Why is he on a minute restriction? Obviously being because they're reserving – his energy they're listen they're trying to make they're sure reserving that his, his energy <laughs> <laughs> no, no no listen they're 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 listen they're trying they're trying to make sure that his adjustment from gaining all that muscle doesn't lead into any type of injury that he has it, it's as simple as that and he's barely playing like what i i don't i don't understand what you want so this dude this dude was a toothpick he puts on 20 pounds of muscle Thank God, because if this dude was just sitting around during this whole entire quarantine and not doing anything to get better, people would still be on this dude's ass. But he was actually working out, working hard. He um, he went ahead and invested in his own personal chef. He worked out every single day. He gained the muscle. He he's being put into the game, and he's making an impact on the court. So, I I think that you guys need you guys need to slow it down a little bit on Mo Bamba. I I agree. I think we do have to slow it down a little bit. Um, because again, he's what, 21 years old. I get it, but I, and I've, and I've spoken about this time and time again. I don't think it's about his size. I don't think it's about any of that. I think that there's a, a hunger, a desire and an effort that great players have. And that's, that's regardless of skill set, Right. And I think Mo just doesn't have that. You can say to me. What was LeBron James before LeBron became LeBron, right? Before he became like the king and everybody respected him. What was his criticism? LeBron doesn't have heart, right? LeBron gives up on plays. LeBron doesn't play 100% all the time. And that prevented him. When people would talk about greatness, that prevented from people talking about LeBron's greatness. And I'm not saying that Mo is on that same level. Obviously, from what we've seen, he's he isn't. But what I will say... Is that the things that he could control, like effort, he's not doing. And through this return, the little bit that we've seen him, he still has that same issue. So what 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 is it exactly, Justin? Are you questioning his motor? Is that what it is? Yeah, I think I'm questioning his motor and I'm also questioning his decision making. For, for a guy that, and again, I don't want to go scorched earth on Mo because he's a good dude. Like teammates love him, you know. But I feel like for a guy who didn't play his first year either, had time 
to go over things with with Coach Cliff, right, and to study the game in itself, I'm not seeing those improvements. But you're not seeing those improvements in, what, 20 minutes of scrimmage time? Or are we talking about before coronavirus Mobamba? I'm talking about a combination of everything that we've seen. <laughs> I see I see where you're going, though, because, I mean, before the season stopped, he was showing signs. I'm not going to lie. Mo Bamba was playing was probably he? the best basketball. Yeah, he was he was averaging. He was scoring more than, than 10 points during the stretch. He was but playing. that was about was a five, grabbing. six game stretch. But still, for, for a young guy, that's a good stretch. And then you're. He was getting rebounds. He was he was leading the league, I believe, in blocks on a minute basis, which is crazy. But either way, the point of the story I'm trying to make here is he showed signs. But I feel like right now I'm going backwards. I don't know, again, if it's a lack of the fact that he hasn't played, you know, organized basketball in a few months now. He has to get there again. But to answer your question, when you asked Justin, the, the motor aspect of it, I compare Mo to a guy like a Lou Williams, a guy that's 160 pounds, Six one, and he's a shooting guard. And this dude scores on anyone, gets by anyone, finishes in the rim against anyone, grabs rebound against bigger guys. Lou Williams has that AI in him, that that killer instinct to say, "Hey, I'm gonna score on you, and you can't stop me." Mobamba is seven one, one of the longest wingspans in the NBA, athletic, now stronger. So yeah, even though he only played, you know, five seven minutes, whatever it may be. In those five to seven minutes, he didn't look like a guy that was out there, you know, out-rebounding people, blocking people, pushing people around, hard-fouling people. It was just seeming like he was on the court for that time, but he wasn't giving his all. And I think that's the issue with Mo Bamba. It's that the day he goes out there and says, hey, I'm going to foul people hard. Like, hey, respect me. I'm going to box out someone and get called for an offensive foul for boxing you out too hard. Like, I don't care what it takes, but show me that you're physically in the game. Other than when he hits a three-pointer. That's why I noticed, hey, Mobamba's name got called out. The Magic are a team that have a bench of players that were all given second chances by this by this team, right? How did they earn those spots? They earned those spots with effort. You're not going to tell me that James Ennis is going to shoot the lights out of the gym. He can shoot. He's not going to shoot the lights out of the gym. Gary Clark, same situation. BJ Johnson, same situation. Vic Law, same situation. But what do those guys have? Those guys have, and 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 from talking to Vic Law, for example, and Wes Wandu, like and MCW, we've learned those guys have a desire to be the greatest version of themselves, the greatest version. And every single time that they're given an opportunity, they take that opportunity to highlight, hey, I might not be the best shooter on the court, I might not be the most athletic guy on the court, but I'm gonna give a hundred percent effort, and I'm gonna play harder than everybody else here. And I think that's what Mo has to do in order to kind of create um, an environment where he's successful. And that's not what he's doing. It, it feels like he takes plays off. There's defensive switches that he should do. And he kind of just like stands there, doesn't really do anything. He could set picks and he doesn't. I don't know. It's just different different situations that I see that let me know that Mo Bamba as of right now, is not doing what he needs to do to become what everybody thought he could become. I think the biggest issue that really hurts the perception of Mobamba is, one, the fact that he was a high draft pick. He's also from Harlem, New York, so you're expecting this this really tough, crazy tough mindset, 
and then coming into before he got drafted there's a lot of videos of him being mentored by kevin garnett so people were really expecting a kevin garnett like player that's not what we have i think that the minute that we get rid of that perception of mobamba and just accept him for for what he is a project that he still is then i think that people would appreciate mobamba way more and I think so that last, negative Nancy's negative Nancy's like Justin <laughs> need to appreciate Mo Bamba. So last last question on Mo. If you if you remove his physical attributes, right? You remove the wingspan, the height. Um, do you think that he's a starting center in the NBA? Not right now. Yeah, nah, nah. Of course not. But that's that that was something that was well known when we drafted him. Like, people are forgetting that they specifically said from the very beginning that it's not going to be an impact player right now. This is going to be a project. And people are underestimating how slow this front office likes to move. Yeah. Their their idea of a project could be a five, six-year plan. We don't know. We're hoping for a lot more, but we, we don't know what their plan and idea is. You know, Mobamba. And obviously, the only person that really is going to dictate that speed is going to be Mobamba. You know, you might be right because in pull up, AG said six years in the leagues just went in my feet. So it might be a six, <laughs> seven year project. Who knows? It, it might. It might just be. All right. So, Justin, I'm sure you're going to really like this next topic for Pastor Shoot. And uh, I'm sure I'm sure there's going to be some interesting conversation from it also. Um, so I'm, Evan Fournier has struggled in these scrimmage games. Should we be concerned? I'm going to shoot on that. Just for a simple fact that he was playing amazing before the, the, the play stopped. We know that. But I do I do get concerned a little bit thinking about how he played last year in the playoffs and now seeing him kind of struggle when we need him most, which is the final eight games of the season and into the playoffs. Um, I'm hoping that he picks it up, that he finds that rhythm again. But a shooter, man, a shooter is supposed to shoot, right? That's what, that's what you do. And to see him struggle the way that he did, I think he went like crazy number. It was like two, four, 13, I'm going to say, from three-point range. And just didn't seem like someone who looked comfortable shooting the ball. It's a little concerning. Um, but, again, it's, it's too early to, to put a final answer on that. But for the time being, I'm going to shoot. So when Al, for the people that are listening to this because there's no video, when Al said Evan went two for 13... Ant rolled his eyes so hard, <laughs> so hard. You can tell he's he's exhausted of, of Fournier. No, but I'm going to shoot. I'm going to shoot. Um, I'm concerned a little bit. The reason being, you know, like Al said, shoot or shoot. And I think Evan's stroke will come back. I think that's just how it is. T. Ross earlier in the year had something similar. He couldn't get the ball to go in the basket. But what I'm seeing from Evan is consistently he has to guard the other team's best player nine times out of ten evan is guarding the other team's best player i would say positionally positionally now as the game goes on there's adjustments and evan gets switched off and and things like that but positionally he's guarding um the most difficult players on on the uh, opposing team james harden when they when they play houston for example things like that um and he's usually pesky on defense. I think Evan's defense is actually pretty good, and I haven't seen that either. I don't know. I don't know if it's it's the time off. I don't know if I don't know. Maybe being not being around his family is impacting him. I don't know. 
Even the playfulness that we see from him and Vooch isn't really there. Um, Vooch kind of tries to, at least from what I've seen, talk to him and get him engaged. And Evan just feels like his head is in the fact that he's not playing well. And I think that's further impacting his play. I'm passing. I'm not. I'm not worried about Evan Fournier. I would be more worried if it was the the games that matter. It's an exhibition, scrimmages. You can only take so much information unless your name is Jonathan Isaac, right? He's the only exception to the rule. <laughs> <laughs> my my only my only complaint about Evan Fournier at the moment is to me, and I I mentioned this in our group chat. I feel as if Evan Fournier is the shortest six foot eight player in the NBA. Because I don't feel like he utilizes his size as a normal six foot eight person would do. Evan Fournier is a six foot eight shooting guard. That that's equivalent to a a unicorn in our league. He can put the ball on the floor. He can penetrate. The dude can shoot lights out. He's one of the best shooters on the team. Shooters are gonna shoot. I'm not worried about it. I'd be more worried maybe three four games into our what we will call our our regular season going into the postseason. Jumping into the week ahead. So the next week we have and we've talked about the the difficulty level of our of our schedule. I really like our schedule. When we compare it to other teams, we've I feel like this was the one benefit that we're getting from the whole bubble being in Orlando. So we got Friday against the Nets, Sunday against the Kings, Tuesday Pacers, Wednesday Raptors. And then that following Friday against the Sixers. That Friday game is going to be an early afternoon game at 2.30. What are your thoughts on the schedule, upcoming schedule, and what are your predictions? I like the schedule. Uh, Again, we played against three tough opponents and good quality NBA teams in the scrimmages. Um, And then we kind of go into the Nets and the Kings, which now no disrespect to them, but the the Nets are not fully, um, they don't have a full roster. So I think we should win that game. The Kings, again, no disrespect to them, good team, but they have some injuries going on. We should win that game as well. Where I think it gets a bit interesting is when we start playing against the Pacers, the Raptors, and Philly. Those are three top quality teams in the East, teams that we should be ready to to, to play well against and beat in, in the regular season and, of course, in the playoffs. But I have my concerns with those teams. So I'm going to say we go 3-2. and two. We beat the Nets, the Kings, and one of the Pacers, Raptors, or Philly. Um... So it should be interesting, though. I mean, if we can pull off a four and one record, that'll be amazing. But I think three and two is realistic for us. Yeah, I think I think three and two is probably realistic. But I think I think we go four and one because I, I think we match up well against the 76ers. Um, we just always do. I think the center battle is something that's up in the air, right? Because it kind of really just depends on what Vooch looks like against Embiid. Um, but in the past, every look, I've gone to a lot of Magic versus Philly games at the Amway, and we end up coming out on top during a lot of those. So I'm gonna go four and one. Um, Elise wrote an article looking at the eight games that that are coming up. Um, that's gonna be released by the time this podcast is out. Uh, so you can check that out on thezonebb.com. Uh, but again, I think four one. I think the Magic beat the Nets, beat the Kings beat the Pacers and beat the 76ers. The Magic are in a position where, you know, we always talk about the Magic have to win the games that they're supposed to win. These eight games are going to put that to the test. If the Magic win the eight games, I mean, win the games that they're supposed to win on paper, we should be that seventh seed by the time the second week of August comes. 
Yeah, I'm going to be a bit conservative. I'm going to go win against the Nets, Kings, and Pacers. Three-game winning streak. And then I'm going to see us kind of um, being tested against the Raptors and Sixers. I'm going to go a loss with those two. I think that the game against the Raptors and the Sixers are going to be the most important games because that's where we kind of take a look at what our matchups and, and how we stack up against those teams. Um, with the addition of Markel and Jonathan Isaac, because these are teams realistically we might see um, in the first round of the playoffs. There's nothing about me that wants to see us play against Milwaukee in the first round, so I'm really hoping as one of the two between Raptors and Sixers, preferably the Sixers over the Raptors, um, just because I, I do feel like we match up well against the Sixers, and I absolutely love seeing Ben Simmons and, um, uh, God, what's this guy's name? I'm already forgetting. Embiid. Embiid, stupid Embiid. <laughs> I'm really hoping that um, I, I really enjoy seeing them just combust and not do well. Like it, it brings me <laughs> a lot of a lot of joy and and seeing it. I like seeing upset Sixers fans every time they Markel does well <laughs> against the Sixers. I, I like seeing them rant about um, how bad the Magic are and and how they're so much better because it, it's it's fun getting inside the Sixer fans' heads. Hey, but Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons got a three a three ball now, so we got to be a little careful on that. No, right, right, no, right, no. right. There, there are there no. were there were reports that um, Ben Simmons went to go see a shrink for his for his shooting, and that's supposed to supposedly helping him. They said that it did so well that they're going to move him from point guard to power forward. So that would be fun to watch. <laughs> Sports psychology. Um, just for a second, though, can you guys imagine a first round match of a Philly against the Magic with the storyline behind Michael Falls? against his old team, and we actually beating them, the Sixers, in the first round? Man, riots, Man. riots in Philly. Man. <laughs> Wait, riots that's not Philly. even statistically possible, though, right? No, it is. It is. Philly, Philly can still catch up the Raptors for the second seed. Okay. Well, I guess yeah, uh, the buckle start, in, boys. The, start, <laughs> the stars would have to align. All right, let's close this out. Final thoughts. Final thoughts for me. Uh, we just got a tweet a little while ago from Josh Robbins saying that uh, Markel and Isaac are actually being considered to be in the starting lineup on Friday. They're going to see how Isaac feels and, of course, how Markel feels, but it's not, um, it, it wouldn't be impossible to see them in the starting lineup on Friday. So that's kind of shocking to me. Um, so I'm, I'm intrigued by that as we wait this next 24 hours, how that's going to play out. Hey, not to toot my own horn, but I'm feeling a little bit like Nostradamus, right? Last week on the podcast, I said, Jonathan Isaac will start for the Orlando Magic by July 31st. And now Joshua Robbins is saying that that's a possibility. I don't know. J.I., ball out. Do what you need to do. Markel, it's always great seeing you out there. I think if those boys perform at the level that we expect them to, it takes this team to a whole nother level. Um, and I think it makes us dangerous for playoff opposition but if they're not healthy i think um i think it's easy for you know teams to to put us away early yeah just to give a quick um status update josh robbins also said that aaron gordon was in practice and is likely to play and that wesley awandu um who started having who started having headaches following his concussion probably won't be active for friday um i'm I am gonna go on a limb and just say that we are we're gonna destroy the uh, the Nets. That's my that's my closing we remarks. Are. That we're gonna come out firing. That we're gonna do well. Um, and and I I'm expecting a really big game from um, from Jonathan Isaac. I would like to see um, Nikola Vucevic way more active. 
Uh, we can't forget that this was our all-star player from last season. Uh, I'm just hoping that we see a little glimpse of that going into the playoffs. Hey, he balled out the first game. Yeah. He did. He yeah, did. he did. Um, but I just I want him to be the I want him to be dominant. I want what I want in a perfect world is us go into every single game and the opposing team is more worried about Nikola Vucevic more so than everyone else. And then when everyone else is kind of rolling in full cylinders, then they they become overwhelmed. That that's my thought process going going into the games. But uh exciting episode guys. Um can't wait to see what the uh the turnout is on Friday. That's going to be a wrap for us. Thank you guys for listening. Peace. Peace. Thank you for listening to the Ozone Podcast, the voice of Magic fans. Be sure to visit our website, theozonepod.com. And remember to subscribe, rate, and leave a review on all your favorite podcast listening platforms.